Welcome to Confessional. I'm Kayla Shelton, along with Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your darkest. Confess to us. We won't tell. So you can tell us anything. No one's listening. On today's Confessional, H.P. Lovecraft. All right, everybody, welcome to the Confessional. My name is Mike Moran, and I am joined today by co-host Aaron. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming by. Make sure you keep the mic right up there. Will do. There you go. Now, Aaron, today... We are discussing something I'm surprised we have never discussed on the confessional before. We are discussing, of course, why don't you tell us? Um, well, you posted a picture of a mug, which you got for Christmas. Right. My sister Instagram. got me a mug. And you didn't bring it. I, I, didn't, I, 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 I forgot that was the catalyst for this episode, honestly. And then, so you posted a mug, and you said, like, Cthulhu's in my coffee mug because it had, like, a little encephalopod in it. And then I wrote something like, what would you do if the great old one, or what would you do, like, if you were drinking coffee and the great old ones started emerging from your coffee mug? And you did not give me an answer. Right. And... That was, like, I wanted to know. Yeah. And um, so then I think I texted you or something or messaged you. Um, like, I, I forget who, like, came up with the idea for a podcast. Like, it was either you or me, but somehow we, we figured it out. Like, that it would be a good topic. Right. So <laughs> we're discussing H.P. Lovecraft is what you're saying. Yeah. Are we having some technical difficulties there? All right. Um, and of course we are jo- joined by our loyal producer. Yep, I was trying to do something real Neil deGrasse Jimmy over here. Yeah, dude, he was just schooling us all on how light works. Yeah, Mike learned how a telephone works today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mike now knows why we can talk to people in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong for me to not know that stuff? I don't. There's a million billion things I don't know how they work. I don't know. It's just it's, I have no idea how my shoes were made. Like, it's just amazing to me, just in general, the fact that like these things are so complex, and even just understanding how they work is complicated. But right. to imagine that somebody actually had to invent that. I know. So somebody yeah. not only had to understand how it worked, but, like before it was even invented, be like. No, that could work. What, what always, we could do that. What always blows my mind, too, is that these, like, they could have made these things a million years ago. Like, we have the same resources that cavemen had, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. It's not like we got some new material. Well, the idea <laughs> is, is that, like, technology kind of builds itself on technology. So right. it'll, like, speed it's a snowball up. Effect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the shoulders of giants, you might yeah. say. You don't go, yeah, you didn't go from the wheel to the iPhone 11. Sure. There's a lot of stuff in between there. Sure. Absolutely. A bigger wheel. A bigger like wheel. A bigger wheel. Four wheel right. drive. And then the iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like a, or maybe a wheel with like a cool stripe. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's what I would innovate. Yeah. Somewhere in between. Yeah. All right. Our guest today, Jimmy and Aaron, 
This guy's a very funny comedian. He's been around Baltimore, or well, the Maryland area, doing comedy for a while now. Please Hello. welcome to the show Stephen Backsleep. Stephen, thanks for coming, buddy. Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your uh, your comedy life and what you're doing. If you got anything coming up you'd like to talk about? Um, yeah, well, I host the uh, the open mic at Second Chance Saloon in Columbia, Maryland. Mm. Uh, that's every Sunday at roughly one o'clock. All Some right. people like to be fashionably late, so it's sometimes one thirty. But we won't mention that. We can just edit that out, right? You just take that part out. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Um, you have an, a, a comedy open mic at one p.m. on a Sunday. Yep. Prime comedy time. <laughs> I'm assuming that doesn't include today. Uh, well, I, I got I got someone to cover me. For Listen, that. the uh, confessional asks you to make an appearance, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't care if you're appearing at Radio City Music Hall. You drop what you're doing. Yeah, you get right. your ass here. Get your ass to the studio. Come on. Got the biggest listening group I've ever seen. Yeah, the local true. comedians podcast. <laughs> the three of us, just right in here. Yeah. It's already top four that I yep. can think of. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it it was it's a different time. They kept moving us about. Uh, mm. It used to be on Sunday nights, and then they moved it to Thursday, and then they right. moved it back to Sunday. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, it's going pretty strong. But I'm there every week. And, Do you uh, get that church going audience just coming? Pr- yeah, coming right. Well, because like right next to the building is like a like a church. building. Yeah, there's like a barn like, church yeah. thing going on there. What is like that? A, well, it's like a community center or something. So like, huh. Columbia was is a very interesting place. Apparently, it's like it was built in like when when, when the city became uh, the city of Columbia, it was meant to be like a mixing pot of people. So they specifically wanted mm. different people of races and creeds and religions and stuff to come together in that one city. And mm. so, so it's not a church. It's a community building I see. that can be used as a church, can right, be used right. as a youth center, like anything. Huh. So um, it's a very interesting place. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys, let's jump right into a confession. Shall we? Boom. Mm. Jump in. This one is from Michael Medina, Raleigh, North Carolina. H.P. Lovecraft was an incredible writer who unfortunately allowed his fear of the unknown to turn into bigotry against his fellow man and spent his life living as a recluse. Apparently he got better towards the end of his life, but I'm not going to defend a 100-year-old dead bigot. (laughs) There are letters he wrote to his friends later in life talking about how he was ashamed of how he acted. Uh, I haven't read all of them, but people... Interested in defending him, usually bring those up. Now, that's an item I think that's going to come up repeatedly with Mr. Lovecraft. Oh, for sure. Bit of a xenophobe, bit of a racist, and not... Everybody seems to make it clear that it's, like, not just for his time, you Mm -hmm. know? He was, like, extra bigoty. Yeah. Apparently. And and the weird thing is, like, that kind of seeps through in his writing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think isn't there one where like the the big terrifying Twilight Zone twist at the end is is that his the girl's grandmother is black, like that's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure which story that. Is. No, I, I would, swear I would one. believe it though. Is there the is, thing. Yeah. I would believe that's the story. I just don't know which. She one like it is. finds a picture of her grandmother, like, no. and she's like, yeah, she's black, and we're all supposed to be like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, There's like, uh, have you ever seen the the movie Sleepaway Camp? Yes, it's the it's right. like that twist. Yeah, where it's exactly. Like, oh my god, the twist is the woman is a man. <gasps> it's like, boy, that didn't age well, did it? Right, That's the yeah. big horror <laughs> twist. <laughs> That's yeah. a weird one. Yeah, 
didn't age well. But was that word as derogatory back then? Not. It wasn't seen as that way. It was. Um, was it a racial slur people. at the time? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, like it would like like were there nicer terms people would use for you know African American short people right. would say other things, but but that was like a term that at the time because here's here's the thing because I'll, I'll and I'll go ahead and say it I'll be a I'll play devil's advocate I'm a H.P. Lovecraft defender All right. because um, and it's just because of, of how I think um, not <laughs> racistly. racistly not racistly <laughs> um, but the thing is the guy was born in 1890. <laughs> Right, yeah. Like, the, that was the society. It wasn't how he thought. It was how society thought. So you disagree, so, then, that... Because everybody tells me, like, yeah, he was, like, more racist than regular people so were at that time. What? Because I've, I've done quite a, quite a lot of research about him. What I found is that he was, he was racist more than other people, even mm. so much that he wasn't a pure white race guy. Like, mm. he, he actually... He didn't like other white races or people... Right. If they weren't, he only liked Anglo-Saxons. He's mm. like, if you came from Britain, he's like, you're the good shit. You're the top shelf white. If you're Irish, boo, get out of here. Right. Like he actually, he actually admired Jews over Irish. Hmm. So like, it, like basically, if weird. they if they fit into Western culture, is that weird, <laughs> Jimmy? <laughs> That's not how my hierarchy works. What the but heck? He, he married a woman <laughs> that was Jews like Jewish in some. In, I can't remember really? how much, but he married a woman that was Jewish. He had pen pals that were Jewish. So yes, he was racist, but it wasn't so much that like uh-huh. obviously both he couldn't not interact with those people, uh-huh. and those people couldn't interact with him. Like right. literally, they did. Right. So right. Um, that's why he's more interesting than just he's racist. <laughs> Here's the thing: it seemed like at that time nobody was politically correct. Everybody oh, just yeah. kind of threw out like kind of racial stereotypes all the time, mm-hmm. you know. But not everybody was like a hating type of person. Actually, you know, you know like, what? Zora Neale Hurston did write around that time, and obviously, you know, she was an African American woman, mm. and she wrote very sanely about going to Haiti. Very, right. very sane. Right. Well, like Nietzsche was around then, and he like he would he would be completely like insensitive towards like stereotypes and oh, cultures. Yeah. But he wasn't like a hateful. He wasn't like we got to like kill all the. You know what I mean? He'd be like, well, the the Jews are like better than Germans in this way, right. and like you know, like. But it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't like a hate thing. So there's. Um, I mean, the fact that like he describes people the same way he describes like Cthulhu and like all the, the monsters other and the beasts. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like the yeah. same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when see, and I'm a I'm a I'm a big history guy. That's like what I study. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea called historical perspective, right. which is is what is what actually changed like from the Dark Ages to the Renaissance because mm-hmm. people stopped following like like the church banned Greek thought because they're like, why are we gonna listen to pagans? These sure. guys are pagans, we don't like those guys. Yeah. There's one guy, I can't remember his name. They got rid was of the Roman like, chair. Yeah, they got rid of the Roman chairs. Everyone was. No, they, they had bad thighs. It was terrible. They, they time. did a big burning of Roman chairs right in the middle of the church. But the um, but this one this one um, like philosopher thought like why would you damn Aristotle for right. not being Christian right. before Christ was born? Uh huh. Uh huh. And that that That's single like train of thought. Of hell thing. Yeah, that that, right. that single train of thought allowed people to go like, oh, he's right. Why would we damn pagans before Christ How did Christ nobody think of that before? Like, I was going like, oh, yeah, it sense. Yeah. And that's yeah, no, you can't do a thing before it exists. I did, yeah, okay, now I get it. But that, that, that helped bring the old thought in with the mm. new, and that's what created the Renaissance. Interesting. So looking, the Enlightenment. looking at the eyes through historical perspective, you just have to understand, like, and almost in his style of writing is like, mm. the society back then was so different. 
sure. that we can't even really perceive it mm. because we we judge it through our own eyes. So if if you know you know if you go back and try to explain to someone back then how we do things now, not right. even just like we have computers, right? You know, tell them we we have a black guy as president. He he wouldn't even he wouldn't even laugh it off or mm. believe it. He'd probably get mad and be like, how what how dare you even say that? Hmm. And to us, that would blow our minds. Like, well, how can you come on? I'm telling you what happens hmm. in the future. Everyone comes together, and we love each other. And he's right. like, no, that's insane. You know, it's like like we wouldn't be able to fathom each other's thing. That's why when people are like, well, who would you have dinner with? And be like, oh, some guy from 200 years ago. Like, he wouldn't be able <laughs> to have dinner with you. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be He would be like, this is like a dream world I'm in right now. Right. But Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um well, what are your thoughts overall? I don't want to just talk about the race stuff today. Right. Sure. What uh, put your get your mic for there? You go. What are your down. thoughts overall on H.P. Lovecraft? Why do you like him? What's what's your history with him? I only started reading him just a few years back. Okay. Um, it, but what really gets me is the <laughs> I like the I like the horror aspect of of just like in his writings you're screwed like you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like the reason his movies and and stuff like that are difficult to make uh-huh. or like his books are difficult to make into movies is because people like good endings. Right. People like right. love stories. People sure. like good endings. And when you read Lovecraft, that's not the case. Right. Because even in, in stories where people end up like beating a monster or something, mm-hmm. they end up going insane right out of what they've just went through so, so they just went through something that's unfathomable to them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so then they get locked in an asylum for the rest of their life knowing that like oh i beat a monster but mm-hmm. i just beat a monster like that's crazy do, do you think it's only the that aspect that keeps keeps uh lovecraft movies from being made like i kind of feel like part of it is just so like cerebral like uh it's just kind of what the characters are going through like it just kind of describes this madness that, that I don't think you could really translate on screen. I feel like maybe you could translate it if you didn't like depict like th- the creature so much. Like maybe do it more like Japanese style mm. or something. But um, yeah, the fact that it's like so in their heads, and um, I- I'll let you finish. But um, the fact that again, it's like it, it seems very subjective. Mm. Yeah. You'd have to really make it with a lot of care and work. Like it really would have to be very detailed. I, I was um, I was reading a story of um, one of my favorite stories he wrote is uh, the Mountains of Madness. Oh yeah, and uh, Guillermo del Toro, mm. who is he? He said H.P. Lovecraft's one of his biggest inspirations, mm. and you can see it in his sure. stuff. Um, he said that he, uh, I was reading some of how he was trying to get Mountains of Madness made into a movie, mm. and Warner Brothers was like, "No," because they wanted a love story and they want a happy ending. And he <laughs> told them like, "You can't do that, right? Right? Like you, you literally yeah. can't." And then they're like, it, "We also want a PG 13 And he's like, "No, has to be <laughs> R. Yeah, has absolutely. to be R. No yeah. happy ending." Right. Yeah, that's, if you so, can throw in like a CGI uh, mouse who solves mysteries or something like that, oh, too. you could do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that would make it a little more marketable. Scooby <laughs> Doo meets Cthulhu, I think, would do really well. <laughs> <laughs> well. Did you guys see the South Park uh, with Cartman? Oh and yes, <laughs> really? There's a Cthulhu on South yeah. Park episode. Wow. And I was, I was like, I don't have cable and. Um, like whatever uh, Comedy Central, um, you can't watch them now. But um, yeah, it's, it was started out with the the BP uh, incident where like the w- they were drilling into the uh, earth, okay. and then yeah, I guess they them. accidentally drilled into yeah. Real, <laughs> 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 and um, somehow Cartman gets yeah. involved. 
He like he like befriends Cthulhu. Yeah, and he's like massaging him, and like I don't do a good Cartman, but he's like oh, Cthulhu, love you, yeah. Um, what does he get him to destroy? He wants Cthulhu to destroy. He wants he want, yeah he wants him to kill Kyle. But what's funny too is that that those episodes actually explain how Kenny constantly dies and gets back. Really? Because his parents wow. are in a cult. That followed oh, Cthulhu, oh. and so he got cursed. With every time he dies, oh, he just gets born again out of his mom. So like he dies, and then his mom is laying in bed, and then she goes ah, and he just comes out. Wow! And then they put him back in bed, and he's like, ah, "We should have never gone to that meeting." <laughs> That's awesome, man. So Cthulhu really is. Yeah, a whole bunch of big episodes. So Cthulhu is really. Yeah, that went over uh, like a couple uh, yeah. things, I think. Speaking of what we were just saying, Thomas Pierce from Bel Air, Maryland says, he is why I love horror. I love everything Lovecraft, have most of his books and short stories, and I think it's lame that Hollywood hasn't been able to pull a proper adaptation of his work off that really stands out. What? So what Lovecraft movies have there been? There's um, Reanimator, right? Reanimator, yeah. Um there was like some kind of indie Cthulhu thing I remember seeing that was made to look like a 1920s silent movie. Yeah. It was like well, kind of interesting. They they made some movies in like the 60s, I think. Really? Yeah, cuz um cuz after he died, he kind of died poor and kind of obscure. Mm-hmm. But his friend Argus Durleth um actually brought all of his stuff together into one book mm-hmm. and then that's kind of what like brought him into like classic like right. oh, this guy. Um so then around the 50s and 60s they started making old black and white films and stuff um but really what you see is you don't see pure adaptations of the movies Mm -hmm. uh, of the books themselves you see movies that have heavy influence in them sure like bird box was a very good lovecraftian type movie really because you have these creatures that if you see them you seemingly just go crazy yeah and then try to kill yourself however if you're already mentally ill Mm. You don't see something that makes you go crazy. You see something that you love and is beautiful. That's what so it's got in Bird a Box? huge. Oh yeah, it's got a huge madness and and just like with the style, you never see the creature, mm. Mm. which is just like that. And another reason why people because people complained about that with Bird Box, they're like, you didn't get to see it. And it's like, well, if you're a fan of him, you go, that's sure. par for the course, sure. right? Because right. you never get to see him. Yeah. Um, but Bird Box was a really good one, and then there was one called The Mouth of Madness. Yeah, I was, remember that seeing that really in the theater. I saw yeah. it with my mom weirdly in like middle school when we went to go see it. Yeah, but I that, think it was PG thirteen. Yeah, it was uh, the guy from Jurassic Park, and he yep. was going insane. Mm-hmm. He was like a writer. Yeah, what he's like it? a writer. He was that? trying to find his friend who was a writer, and like he goes to this this asylum where he supposedly went to. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets there, they're like, "Well, we have no idea who that is." And he's like, "What are you talking?" He's a famous writer, and they're like, "No." don't know who he is and then he gets stuck there and then he goes crazy so it's like that movie yesterday but instead of the beatles <laughs> yeah the writer yeah anybody else and the guy from please. jurassic park <laughs> yeah <laughs> check that out yeah. it sounds familiar i feel like i've seen it is that it a good one, movie i haven't seen this since i was like 13 yeah I, I saw it when i was like seven or something yeah. like i was very yeah. young but um the, well the, what the thing about it though it, it must be good because i still have like very vibrant memories of certain scenes mm-hmm. where i, I literally, remember I've never being seen in the it. asylum and, yeah. he's, and he's like drew crosses everywhere There's yeah. like a billion crosses all over the scene i remember is he's trying to like drive away and he's on a dark road and he looks over and this like female character i don't know if it's his love interest or not is like on a bicycle hmm. 
like just like writing next to him and he looks at her and then he just like speeds off and then he but he keeps going down the same dark road and he looks again and he passes her again Weird. and he's like what and so he's like stuck on this one road seeing the same thing interesting and that like that one scene has like played in my mind for years hmm. where like that's the one thing of that movie i remember i don't remember that so so if they were to make a cthulhu movie how do you think they would have to do it oof uh, yeah, I think they would have to get like Japan or Thailand mm. or Korea to do it. I don't. They do think. really well with tentacles. Is yeah, the thing. <laughs> they do really well. Very true. They have that technology, right? But yeah. they also don't really show a whole lot. Um, I think. I think you know, like mm-hmm. you said, like people will, like you know, why don't we it's, see it? I feel like um, there are, really but they can show like little flashes. Right. Right. Things. Right. There are, like, really good horror directors these days, I think, mm-hmm. that could, like, maybe finally be able to handle that, you know? Because oh, yeah. they are putting, like, money into horror movies now. They're putting care into them here and there, you know? So, like, I feel like in the right hands, it could be done. But the weird thing is, for me, with Cthulhu is, like, all right, so it's, like, this existential kind of um, nightmarish uh, psychological... Cosmic entity. Right, right. Yeah. It kind of, like, digs into, like, kind of, um, you know, our, our psychological fears and evolution and mm-hmm. all that plays in. But then at the end, it's just a giant monster destroying cities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just, it just turns into Godzilla or something. I yeah. mean, and that's, like, uh, this, is, this is, like, I guess this is my confession, is that I really want to, like, like, I don't remember when I first heard of H.P. Lovecraft. Mm. Um it's just kind of one of those things. I was never like I've I've never I am not. I'll I'll be honest. One, I'm not a fan of fictional writing generally speaking. No, not really. Um, like probably my favorite book is in a lot of ways the complete opposite, in a lot of ways the same. Um, is like Albert Camus' The Stranger, which mm. is like the most bare of bones book. Like mm. you know, the first line everyone knows: "My malt died today." And of course, you know, it's like, oh, I don't care. You know, I felt her tits. They felt nice. She asked me if I wanted to get married. I said I didn't care. You know, like. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Gosh. <laughs> like, Save some of it for us. Huh? Well, no, the, the, the good part's like the second half. Um, that doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like he, like, right he didn't care, um, was the point. Right. Um, the first part. But, um, you know, it's like so stripped down, so like not. Adjectivity and with H.P. Lovecraft, like just getting through like the the list of adjectives. It's not like I, I very I, wordy. I know every one of those right. like preternatural, uh, phantasmagoric. He throws in stuff that doesn't make any sense yeah. too. Like well, for one, he he says something about the tall beavers of the of New England. <laughs> And I remember like listening to people talk about that, and they're like, "What is the tall beaver?" They're like trying to find it online. Like, there's no such thing as a tall beaver. Like, why is it? And like, I I just don't care about that stuff. The reason why I want to like him is because I mean, I like. I'm surprised like Joseph Campbell or somebody like that didn't right, like right. him. Mm-hmm. Was is that he has this whole like huge cosmology? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the way things are just, like, fit together, like, this whole different, like, conceptualization of the universe. And and then um, I think you, Mike, brought up, like, this, uh, you know, this chaos, like, there's people, but then there's 
oh god, I, I want to do the Rumsfeld, like the unknown, uh, unknowns, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, it was in the Call of Cthulhu. It was, it was he says something like, "Man's greatest blessing is that he can't like." I'll, I'll paraphrase. It's like he can't. Uh, uh, or do you have it in there? Oh yeah, I got it in there. Um, can you like read the first uh, line it. about like man's greatest uh, thing? <laughs> man's greatest <laughs> thing. Um, I feel like man's greatest thing is Reba, the sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Roman chairs. But <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, you know. Is like the first line? Yeah. Like it says, uh, the most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. Mm. And what's the next line? We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. See, once again, race brought into it for no reason. Was it? Where was the race? The black sea. Uh, yeah. yeah thank you. Right. <laughs> but, um, I mean, or at least if you were going to do like a Freudian thing too, it could also be seen as like, you know, the unconscious. Mm. Like with like yeah. the iceberg, you it, know. He yeah. really tapped into that. Like he kind of like took these ancient philosophical religious tropes and and like elegantly brought them into the the kind of uh darwin era you know well i i wouldn't i mean again i'm gonna like pull my little anthropology uh major undergrad major card here um i wouldn't say that they were ancient um to say that they were ancient i almost feel like that's filling into his racism um there's different there's not just like, you know, like modern positive lo- logic. There's lots of different forms of logic. Like mm-hmm. magic, um, what we call magic, mm-hmm. um, is a form of logic. Um, but uh, like the fact that we can't, um, w- that we have so much trouble like integrating all this mm-hmm. this information and you know to quote Rumsfeld, there are the unknown unknowns, and if we knew everything. <laughs> We would just like freak out. I mean, like I, I'm also thinking too back to like if you've read the Bhagavad Gita, where um, y- you know you have to read the story. But when um, Krishna sh- shows Arjuna like his universal form, which is like you know like like uh, black holes and like planets crashing together and like all these weird things happening, and uh-huh. you know that's where the the line is written really poorly. Uh, I will become death, uh, and I become death, the destroyer of worlds. It's actually, I become time and the destroyer of time. But if we were to see all that, we mm-hmm. would go crazy. Right, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you wouldn't be able to You know, it. if we were to experience that, we w- like, we'd go nuts. Yeah. Um. So I think, like, he... I'm sure he did not like the Bhagavad Gita if he read it, but um, he one does, star. He does like <laughs> tap. He does tap into that, and mm. the fact that he has this whole system, the fact that mm. he has this, you know, like kind of made up book that he keeps referring back to, right. like yeah. the Necronomicon, and nobody really knows what it is. And you know, it's like we can re- refer to like the King James Bible, and we all kind of mm. know what it is, but we don't really need to know what it says. We mm-hmm. just kind of know what it's about mm-hmm. um you know i think i think that's amazing and that's why i really want to like him but just the little like just it's so like wordy and, yeah. I, mm. and just this nitpicking and i feel like if you just stripped away all that i like yeah. i could like really like it mm. 
and I really want to like it. Like, I nerded out for days. I kind of tried to pretend to like, be his characters and just listen to, like, those books on <laughs> really? tape in my house. Yeah, wow. that's what I, like, texted you. I was like, I'm nerding out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pretending to be his characters, though. Well, not, yeah. like, pretending to be his characters, but just, like, you know how like those characters can be That's kind a good way to get the... Be yeah. kind of, like, you know, like, right. I was in my study. <laughs> Dude, I, I swear I have nightmares like that that, like, feel like... Like, I feel like when he describes people going crazy, mm-hmm. th- I feel like I have nightmares of like that, where you're just overwhelmed with, with something, yeah. with just, like, ugliness or, or something. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel myself going mm-hmm. insane. And, and I feel like that he was the first writer to really capture that, that yeah. I've discovered. Well, and, and when you look at his, at his life, um, like, it's one of those things of, you know, whatever his controversial thoughts are. Mm. When you, if you had everything that happened in his, like, even his early years, mm-hmm. and you just wrote everything that happened on paper, and then you gave it to someone, they're like, yeah, this guy's going to be fucked up somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, he's probably racist or anxious or something. But his, his father had um, a mental break and had mm-hmm. to go to an asylum because yeah. he had syphilis. And syphilis eats away at the brain. So he saw he saw his father at a young right. young age go into like a comatose state. Wow. And then um and then his mother coddled him and kept mm. him in. He didn't go out and like talk with friends. He mm. didn't do sports. Mm. He he was a shut in person. Um but the place he was he lived in was already like um was like a bad like a like a bad racial racist place. Like they didn't mm. really like outsiders. Sure. Providence or they, they didn't like outsiders at mm. the time. So um so you have that. He didn't start meeting people until he got into college. Right. But then when he eventually went back home, the only th- way he kept in touch with those people was through letters. Mm. So you have a guy who's just been a shut-in guy with uh, families of the you know, of their time thinking the way they did. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, of course. And then he would have he would have nightmares, and that's actually where a lot of his stuff came from. Um, one of the much more scarier deities in the mythos is a uh, Nearlethotep. Oh, there, or yeah, however you want to yeah, say that name. That was one name. of the first ones I read too. He like uh, he like weird. woke up Which from like that? a nightmare, and he was like yeah. Nearlethotep, and he like he like he started magician, writing right? a letter. He was um so he's uh he's like one of the I think he's like a stepbrother or like a uh, like a maybe a cousin of like Cthulhu. So he's part of like the grander deities. Mm. But why he's actually terrifying is like earlier when you said Cthulhu would come up and just like destroy a city. Part of the fear of that is like. Is like like the points that he would make is us judging Cthulhu for destroying the cities would be like us trying to judge sure. a lion eating a gazelle. Right, right. It's like Absolutely. like that lion is yeah, doing what do he it. wants yeah, to do. Right. He doesn't have the yeah, same it's like, moral why basis. Why do we, we do, do the things that we do? Exactly. We don't even yeah. know. Now, Lethetep, or sometimes called Haster or something, um, he's different because he's he's like he's like one of the only deity gods that like want to fuck with humans. <laughs> he's like the only one that's like like he'll become so a he's uh, not indifferent. Yeah, he is like he's very much like a he's like I want to try to fuck shit up as much right. as I can for people. So um but yeah like that was that was a creature or like a thing that came to his head one time in a nightmare. Like he mm. had a nightmare and he woke up and just wrote down near Lethetep and then and then he penned it to a friend of his and was like, dude, I just had a freaking weird ass dream and this came into my head and it was a it was a a tall thin guy that looked like an egyptian pharaoh and and you wrote all that down and then that was a little less elegant than his normal (laughs) yes interesting enough well yeah well i'm wondering what you guys think about um that one line in uh where he's like um and the old ones will come again and teach people again to like 
dance and sing and be happy the way they like the once voice. danced and sang and were happy when the old, great old ones were out and about. I'm wondering what you guys think. I'm about not familiar that. with that, but it sounds like a kind of Garden of Eden type of thing. Like once the gods are in control again, then humans can be dumb and happy. Yeah. Um, essentially, yeah. Um, I know one of the, so one of the things that he because he because later in his life he was basically always poor, mm. but he lived during the Roaring Twenties. So he was always like dirt poor, but he would look outside and see people partying sure. it up and having lavish things. And he was a fan of Nietzsche, and so that all that kind of thinking brought in this thing of like, look at all this decadence. We right, have. right. Look at all these people living a life of. I excess. totally am not envious of that yeah. at all. So, so he would write about things of like, when the old ones take over, they're just going to wipe everything clean, and then we'll go back to just bare bones, like mm, mm. you know, yeah, like yeah, oh, you got to work for it now. That's <laughs> interesting to me because, like, if you follow, like, you know, because on the one hand, he, I mean, it's it's still like kind of like. The, it's the noble savage trope, mm-hmm. you know, is mm. what. Because um, on one hand, he's talking about horrible and gross. He's like, wh- I don't, what, what is a half cast? That's like a Harry Potter thing, isn't it? <laughs> I, don't well, I don't even know what a half, a half cast, cast is. A is. Like these half cast, cast like voodoo orgy people. He <laughs> um, <laughs> was yeah, born yeah. of a voodoo orgy. <laughs> <laughs> his, his mother was a mongrel tree. I want to know where he got that idea too, because you know H.B. Lovecraft was never invited to a voodoo. Oh, he never, was once. never once. Not like me. I'm always invited. <laughs> I'll put a maybe on Facebook for the next one. A lot of that horror fiction, though, was about voodoo orgies, (laughs) because that was the same time um, the U.S. was in Haiti, and there was, like, troops coming back. Right. Um, Great uh, crackdown on voodoo orgies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I have a whole whole book on, um, it's like, Voodoo and the history of voodoo. That's awesome. I want to learn about voodoo. That does sound... I'll I'll lend you the book, but... um, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me how disgusted he is by those people, but at the mm-hmm. same time, he's almost like he he's doing that noble yeah. savage, right, na- right. natural mm-hmm. man, um, like oh, they're freer than me, right? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, wh- which is interesting, and right. and you know, I'm kind of this like really like provincial, like stuck up man mm-hmm. in a suit. You yeah. know, he mm-hmm. his face, you can see it on his face in those pictures. He's just like. Well, I get yeah. that. Yeah, 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 he does. Um, he, you never see him with a big old grin and like yeah. uh, giving a wave. Um, he he just looks so, up. so stiff. And then yeah. he's talking about you know these people who worship these gods or these gods are going to come back, and, but and teach everyone to be like as free as them. But he also finds these people like gross right. and yeah. disgusting, and you know, um, which which I think is. Um, you know, that definitely follows that, like, it's not even noble savage trope, it's, you, or it's not like Rousseau's natural, it's not, maybe it's a but little Rousseau. It does seem but like religion and culture and stuff always kind of had this thing of being both freaked out mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. older cultures, yeah. but also... Uh, Romanticizing them too. Yeah, like yeah. Every religion almost, I think, um, kind of has like a it used to be great type of thing mm-hmm. going on. Well, there, then there's also like if you've read Edward Said's Orientalism, there's like, um, like with the Middle East, there's on one hand, like you romanticize it, like with like harems mm. and belly dancers and mm-hmm. genies, and but then there's like you know like 
Um, yeah, it, it's, <coughs> even if you read like Robert Camus, it was that story takes place in French al colonial Algeria, and he kills the disgusting, greasy Arab. You know, yeah. wow. the, uh, the people you know are also like repulsive and out of control. Like um, in Aladdin, that song says, "And the winds from the east, and the suns from the west." So it's like everything's backwards. Sun rises in the east, not from oh. the west. So they're like they're backwards and primitive, and but you know also kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's just once again another reason why he's such an interesting character, and why just personally I don't like it when he just gets bogged down by a one description of like he's a this, he's a that. Because I almost feel like he he was just like more in tune with his subconscious. Because clearly he was yeah, able to pull age, from his dreams. He definitely had something going yeah. there. Like it does seem like in that era. The, a lot of weird stuff happened in the beginning of the 20th century. You know, oh, like yeah. human consciousness almost seemed to change, I mm -hmm. think. I mean, you know. Well, society and culture was changing. Right. So and like the Flynn effect, like people yeah. were getting smarter, like less people mm -hmm. just worked on, you know, like back in the day, like 95% of people just worked on farms their whole lives. Right. And um, it seemed like that kind of had something to do with like religious revival because it was more of like man is getting too smart mm -hmm. and self aware, and this is really scary. Type of thing, you know, and I feel like he kind of captured that. Yeah, but like, um, but like, go going with what you were saying, it's like, it's like he 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 very clearly his xenophobia would come out with with how he perceived some of the creatures, mm. but then he would also see the intricate intelligence of said creature. So it's like it's like hating them or fearing them, but then also admiring them at the same time. Right. Which and it's funny because when people when you think of someone you know uh, that is especially today in modern times when you call him a racist you think they're stupid like look at that dumb idiot mm. he doesn't he's just too dumb to realize right. that we're all together but back then once again because that was a social norm he was also an intellectual so like that's kind of yeah, like the yeah. thing because um one of the creepiest i think one of the weirdest non monster deity things called amigo mm. it's like an alien that's on like saturn or something and so they're they're meant to be b barbaric because what they would do is they would take out people's brains and then put oh, them Pluto's in these the jars. Pluto one, right? Maybe they might be. They might be on they Pluto. Just discovered Pluto um, or something. But he would like mm. take out the, he, the these creatures would take out brains of like creatures they 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 caught and mm. put them in these jars. In mm. the jars, they were able to like keep the brain alive and the brain could talk and hear and see. Whoa. So clearly, well, it's like look at this monster hands, right? pulling out. Yeah, yeah. they have like crab hands. So <laughs> look at this monster <laughs> pulling out lie, brains right? and yeah. putting it in a jar. <laughs> However, they did it because that the Migo their um, society was advanced in terms of surgery. Oh. So the reason they were able to do it was because surgically they were able to remove someone's brain mm. and remove it without damaging it in a way that once it got to the container, it was still alive. Oh, mm. and so again, you look at it and go, look at that barbaric thing. That's a really good, he could cut the skin off a grape. Like, look, that's impressive. That is. You and know? then there's like grave, grave robbers guy in the other story. Like they couldn't mm -hmm. like, and they would make like, you know, people crazy and or just like yeah. twitching or something. So there was that, that yeah. view of like, you know, um, like I'm, I'm remembered of when, um, when uh, uh, America started moving west, and they started running into certain native tribes mm. that did this thing called the ghost dance, mm. and they would make a big fire and they would dance around it and wear paint mm. and beat drums and they'd have their weapons in the air and they'd be chanting, and some of them would think like, 
you know, oh my God, this is a war dance. And right. it was like a dance for their ancestors right, right. or something. It was just something they did. So I'm kind of reminded of that, of like, he would look sure. at that and be like, look at these right, barbarians right, dancing right. to a very beautiful, intricate Tom Toms. Yeah. You right. know, it's like. That's when I see people twerking. That's how I feel. <laughs> look at these barbarians twerking. Put your ass away. But yeah, that's that's again why why his um why he's so interesting and why mm. I don't like him when people bog him down sure. in just one kind of like yeah this yeah. is what he is right now he's a interesting cat as uh, they would say back in the twenties. Well, Jim Cliss from Michigan City, Indiana, Ooh, might disagree. Uh oh, influential in imagination, but not a particularly great writer. Mm. Wildly racist and terrified of anything different. I don't think he's a particularly elegant writer, and the characters are often one-dimensional. Not sure the pun was intended. Hmm. I kind of agree with that to some extent. He, I don't think he ever really, in his writing, his characters were never the thing you took away from. Yeah, yeah that's you know, true. When, yeah. when, when you were reading about Dexter Webster, <laughs> reading, reading a book on the narrative of how they captured Cthulhu. Yeah, you, you never hear you anybody being like, you him. are such a Dexter Webster. Yeah. You, like, like a yeah, sex in the rich. city, you know? But th- I think that's... You are, you, I'm totally a Neil Arthur tip. <laughs> but you know I, I think that's why, um, I think that's why his works uh, translated really well to things like um, D&D. There's mm. a lot of like D and D that have Lovecraft like storylines. Oh, and sure. Stuff. And it's because his characters were so badly written, mm-hmm. but like the creatures were so much better that they'd be like, "Fine, you be the person, right? And you make up your own little well, person, and then you fight his monsters." Yeah. I mean, and that's I that could, much easier. I could identify with some of the like um, anthropologist kind of characters. Yeah, because he has a lot of those. Um, mm. but. Not not like uh like in their like wanting to know, but not mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, their um like personal qualities. Right. Like mm. you know, um yeah. uh or a lot of time like um just, uh, just like just the curiosity factor I right. could identify with. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, not much mm. <laughs> well for me i almost think that's part of the appeal because like what i like about lovecraft i think is that it's almost pulp one-dimensional writing mm-hmm. but like merged with this much deeper meaning yeah and it's almost like a tarantino type of thing you know like very yeah. low brow kind of, you know just like monster stories or ghost stories yeah but like infused with uh something just deeper mm-hmm so, so I, I think I'm okay with one-dimensional characters with him. Yeah, and because again, it's like uh, the the one-dimensional character in it is one that's like uh, I could I could lose that character anyway. I don't care. Mm. You know, again, the guy narrating the story, I could never hear another word about the guy narrating the story. I just want to hear the story. Right. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of the opposite. Like again, with Camus, like you know the narrator of that story so well. Um, whereas with H, and that's kind of what i love about the story um you know um like i actually really identify with him in so many ways whereas with hp lovecraft stories it's really just that like curiosity and that's about it Mm. um what do you think if he had more complex characters you'd like him a lot more I think if he had more plus, uh, <laughs> if he could do more complex characters with a lot less like BS Words. adjectives, yeah. Yeah. then I would like the story because, like, I just, 
like the story gets lost to me and then I forget what he's talking about. Mm. Right. Mm. Um and the way he kind of goes back and forth in like time too, like let me tell you about the Right, <laughs> right. And then and then but then I must tell you what happened before. That. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and you're like, Where are we? Right, yeah. Um so it, it's just that like like I said, I really want to like him, but I, I like <sighs> on a micro level, I I don't like him. But on like the whole meta level, like I think is absolute genius and just kind of like like how everything just kind of spun off, you know. Right, I, right. I think it is completely amazing. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of someone else who who did that. It's not a religion. Um, I can't, no one else comes to mind to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think for a lot of it is, I think people like the ideas that he put out and then maybe not the writing because e- even, even uh, I read like one of his shorter stories, which was a very quick story about a guy finding an, a super old man in a old building with a creepy book. Hmm. And that's about like, oh, was that it the gets festival? Weird. No, that's, um, I can't even remember the title of it. I think it's literally called The Old Man. But uh, mm. it's like a guy who's been around since like pre-revolutionary time. Mm. And the reason he was able to do it was because he did these rituals where he ate people. And so this this guy who's like a, a professor or whatever walks into this house and just sees like this ancient old man speaking in like an old dialect that mm. hasn't been around for like 100 years. And then there's like blood dripping from the roof. And he's like, oh, I think I need to get out of here. <laughs> um, but like that, that story... It's I, not I, the cannibalizing that gets them. It's yeah. the blood from the roof. But uh, I listened to an audio book of it, and it was like 10 minutes, a really quick story. But, God, every five minutes I had to stop and look up a word because I was like, I have no idea what the hell he's saying. Right. This word is something I've never heard before. Um, but the other thing, too, was that um, going back to, like, August Erleth and then the other people he penned with, mm. um, one of the things that he didn't have was he wasn't a very, um, uh, like, he wasn't confident in himself. So he he like when when uh, he was writing these stories and telling other his friends about them, they liked the idea. So they're like, "Hey, I like your Cthulhu character. Sure, can I write a, a, my own story with it?" Mm. And instead of being like, "No, this is my idea. Right, I'm trademarking right. it. This is Lovecraft stamp," mm. he said, "Sure, go yeah, ahead." Yeah. So he would trade stories with like dozens of different mm. writers, and so. So it was one of those things where if you didn't like his reading, well, there was another guy writing another mm. Cthulhu story. Mm. You know, go follow him and yeah. and all that other stuff. So it's like people like the ideas he set forth without necessarily liking his writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that his ideas, like the creatures themselves, were so good that that's what stood the test of time, mm-hmm. not necessarily his writing style. Right. So. Yeah, I have a feeling it's the kind of reader that you are um, that may determine like how much you like hp lovecraft or not to a certain extent like how you read and uh what you focus on when you read and mm. i think that may play a role yeah all right guys well this was a great episode yeah it was Thanks so much. anything else we want to so glad you got that mug absolutely <laughs> i'll post a photo of it on the confessional okay, facebook all right <laughs> um all right anything else we want to talk about before we wrap it up Mm-mm. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Steven. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Just cough. <laughs> Thank and you for having us. <laughs> we'll see you next time on The Confessional, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.